Most of the behaviors and words we are shoving at our kids stem from our own unpremeditated raw responses. Everything from the tone of our voice, our posture, our facial expressions, or our unsanctified regret over the pet hamster is influencing who our child is and will become. Our children imitate us. Their brain, which is in the process of giving them their personality, belief system, and relational ability, or lack thereof, is soaking up everything we do and don't do as their parents. This truth is daunting, downright troubling even. Our children see what makes us happy and what doesn't. They are in turn happy or not about the same things. The implications of this are so staggering. If you are a parent or you hope to be one someday, listen up. The next few lines are really important. Great parents are born from grace, not strategy. Great parents lead with lavish displays of who we are in Jesus, not how we got there. Great parents don't spend their energies attempting to master certain parenting techniques or strategies because we realize it will never work. We are incapable of managing the 99% of us that emit our spontaneous natural responses. If parents spend all of their energy strategizing how to be a great parent, they would have no time to actually parent. Plus, we would go insane attempting to monitor all of our verbal and nonverbal behaviors for the betterment of our child. Therefore, we are left with only one most gracious parenting path, to desire God most and let Him handle the rest. Parental Jesus Craving Parenting is a process, not an event. Our children are watching the working out of our salvation. There is nothing elegant about this process. Mostly, it is messy and awkward. As adults, the mark of maturity is the understanding that we are but children ourselves, clinging to the pants leg of our father like rebellious, longing babes. Great parents are the first to admit that they don't wake up with this overwhelming natural desire for God. But instead, we must discipline ourselves to believe God again and more readily today than we did yesterday. As we grow up, we realize that our brain does not naturally consider the most loving way. But only through the meditation of God's word will our spirit be activated enough to crave Jesus most and love our people with the overflow of fruit. That's fruit singular, not fruits plural, by the way. When we desire God most, the Holy Spirit actually spits out all of these things at once. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And that is a potent cocktail of great parenting right there. Children are straight from the hand of God. I believe that Psalm 127 is true, that God gives us the gift of children, either biological or adopted, to remind us that we are very much in need of grace and also very much set free from shame. 
Whether you are an expert archer or still in training, I challenge you to look for opportunities to parent everywhere. The gift of children is not reserved for those who conceive, but a reward of blessing for all those who are willing to sit on couches, listen, gather around a table, attend a baseball game, mow a yard, offer your time, and in general, anyone willing to take a hard look at their reflection for the glory of God. I may be a rookie parent to some, but here are a few nuggets of parenting truth that I have learned the hard way and via seasoned parenting vets. These truths are not strategies, but instead ways of existing with your children that will set you both free to fail and love without return. I pray it extends strength to those of you willing to parent well, often, and everywhere you go. Number one, stay honest about your story. Parent, if you don't own the depths of your own sin, then you do not know the great pardon of God. Our children see our sin often and more closely than anyone else in our life. If we do not know the places of our heart that want to distrust God, our children will be leery of trusting us. We must be ready and available to confess the places in our life where we struggle to trust God. Ask our child's forgiveness for however they watched it play out and offer our children the place to call us to the carpet if they see it again. Parents can stay more self-aware to the degree they are honest about their past. We give our children loads of understanding about why we sin that way when they also understand the context of our motives. For example, I lose my temper easily because I watch my dad lose his. He drank too much and when he was drunk, he used really awful words. I hate that I sometimes repeat those same behaviors and say those same awful words to you, child. Please forgive me. I really want to choose a new way with my words and actions. I see my sin, and I believe God's grace not only covers it, but will give me the strength as your parent of self-control and gentleness to make a better choice next time. When we as parents attempt to hide our past trauma, hurt, or rebellion— We are only assuring our children live in an energy that flows with anxiety, anger, irritability, and impatience. Our past is not buried. It is living, and it is finding a source of oxygen somewhere in our home, many times in the busyness and life of our own children. Our past is either sucking love from our child or giving love to them as it remembers the faithfulness of God in all things. Once a child's brain can reason between good and bad for the well-being of others, which is about six to eight years of age, their brain is fully capable of hearing and processing even the most brutal and embarrassing parts of our story. Waiting much past this marker leaves room for the devil to play drawing dividing lines in the sand of your home, and reinforcing toxic cycles that are really hard to break as they grow up. Number two, stay curious about the story of others. All the broken systems in the world come from somebody wrongly judging somebody else. 
Racism, slavery, poverty, religion, and political dividing lines all stem from low levels of human compassion. Perhaps the greatest gift I can give to my children is to create an atmosphere in which the life story of others is not only held in high regard, but considered. Justin and I know from experience that to create this atmosphere for our children is really hard work because it bumps up against our own comforts. Therefore, this space only develops from an intentional posture of humility on the part of the parent. We often ask Emma Grace and Lake to watch and consider others, not in an awkward, disrespectful way, but in a teachable space that allows me to push their minds to consider the layers of people. I ask my children to consider our waitress at the restaurant. What kind of a day do you think she has had? Do you think she likes this job? I ask them to consider our checkout clerk at the grocery store. How many hours do you think he has been on his feet today? What is one thing you think we could say that might put a smile on his face? You know, God created all humanity for his glory, so they really are worth a good look. In order to stay satisfied in him, we must stay humbly curious about others. It is one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children. Number three, stay aware of your role as a grace ambassador. Parents are asked by God to model a relationship that transmits a love that gives life to people. Parenting is establishing a framework for our children to understand that God is the ultimate authority over their life, not them. This means that as a parent, I am the representative of God to my children. I am the tone of his voice, the look on his face, and the touch of his hand. Ugh. How does one even stay standing after this? Only in grace. Grace is the unconditional overflow of God's love, despite what we do or don't do. And it is only with this brand of love toward our children that they will grow up to be grace ambassadors of their own. The divine nature of God's authority is loving, patient, compassionate, and generous. God wants our children to see an authority that gives freedom, not one that crushes it. Therefore, parents must reflect God's way of truth and love through honesty with our children about our own struggles, by creating moments for them to notice and serve others, and by establishing a home that overflows with grace. And yes, this means setting boundaries on who they hang out with, what they watch, and what activities they engage in. Remember, our children's brains are soaking up everything they hear, touch, and see, from the screen they watch to the conversation they overhear at your dinner party. Parents must ask ourselves, what is the best way for me to reflect God's nature to my children? Word of warning here, establishing yourself as one who reflects God's authority to your children will come at great cost to you, parent. It will cost you friendships, time, energy, And in general, most of the stuff you did before you were a parent. Most parents I meet either need to cut themselves some major slack or have allowed way too much slack to build up on the rope. This is why parenting lands us only to hope in Jesus to fill all of our gaps. Ultimately, as parents, we want our children to place their hope and confidence in the only one who can save them and set them free. Therefore, 
We allow God's grace to make us happy. When parents reflect their deepest happiness lies in Jesus, our kids walk out in hope. This hope ushers in obedience and joy that has the power to bust up lies and break toxic cycles over the course of their life. The more we believe God's grace is true for us, parent, the more our children will believe it is true for them. May we be parents who lead with grace from the wellspring of hope within our heart.